0: Hey, I'm Matt. I'm Chad. I'm Tyler. We're Radio Silence. I'm Tom, and this is The Crawl. Hey guys, welcome to The Crawl. Uh, This week we have a very exciting interview for you with Andrew Spieler, who's an assistant director uh, out here in L.A. Uh, Andrew's a graduate from both the SUNY Purchase Film Conservatory and AFI. Uh, He won a student BAFTA for his thesis film, The Response, and uh, he also has been a script reader for a number of years for the Sundance Screenwriting Lab, but we're going to be talking to him mostly about his career as an assistant director. Uh, he, you can see him featured on Rocket Jump, the show on Hulu, which is a really cool, like, behind-the-scenes show. And he, he's not playing anybody. They just record while he's working, while the team is working. And and, and Andrew
1: Spieler as himself.
0: Andrew Spieler as himself. Uh, but, yeah, so we, we uh, I've worked with Andrew on a number of projects. In fact, I used to I used to second AD for him. Uh, and we get into that in the podcast, what that actually means versus being a first AD um, and Andrew has worked on a number of super cool projects, including VHS2, Faults, of course, the Rocket Jump show, and a lot of music videos and commercial content that's been viewed. So yeah, let's just get into it. We share a lot of cool stories and uh, enjoy the show. Andrew, yes. welcome to my office. How do you two know each other? Yeah. Oh yeah, Andrew and I, <laughs> we met on VHS2, <laughs> yeah, which right. was the first time, so Andrew was the first AD, yeah,
2: um,
0: and it was the first time that I was bringing being brought on as an assistant director. And if you remember Harding Chris Harding was the producer yep. who also produced Southbound and Chris and I are friends and I uh, he asked me what I wanted Depends to on who do. You ask,
3: but... <laughs> he asked me what I wanted to do on the project
0: and I had never A D'd and I I I of course I direct as well and I thought, well this would be a, a really cool thing. What position. an amazing thing to say. No, I think I wanna A D this one. Well I said like <laughs> can you bring me on with your A D? Like I didn't know necessarily like what a second! What the difference between like a right. second, a second, second, a third? What all of that meant. Yeah. And so like we did our first meeting, and Andrew like we he let me like take him out to coffee afterwards, and sort of like just gave me like a real drill on what like the responsibilities were and what I needed to do, <laughs> and and I hope I didn't screw up. Too bad. VHS two came out, so that's so, better yeah, than a lot sorry. of the other projects. i so you done. guys worked on you
1: guys worked on every every segment. You AD'd every segment. No, we no. did no. two. We did two, two of the segments. Yeah. What, what were the two
2: segments? Uh, Adam and Simon's segments, which yeah. were the wrap around and then the first segment, right? Chronologically, yeah. All these sort of you know connective tissue that Simon did, and then the. Um... What was that? Adams no, the had eyeball. the missing eyeball, eye eyeball. thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So what
3: were those like? Just to jump in real quick, what what did you tell Tom? Like, what were those like? Here's what you got to do, man. Uh, I
2: said, don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole. Still working <laughs> yeah, on that still one. Still doesn't
3: listen.
0: Didn't work. He had met me for about an hour, and he was like, "All right, this is what I got to tell this kid. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll report <laughs>
3: so being that's in yourself." F. <laughs> f F in the first subject,
2: second subject. I I don't. I mean I don't remember the specifics of It's hard what to remember I told what the you, specifics but were, but
0: I, I I probably
2: tried to instill in you a sense of, you know, what the importance of the A D department was, like yeah. what, you know, we do and what we're there for. And You did
0: speak to me about about wrangling talent. Yeah. About because I was as the second I was gonna be the one yeah. that was sort of bringing people to set and, and it's VHS, so we're not necessarily perhaps dealing with a list talent, but we are dealing with professional actors who have expectations. Yeah, and so uh, Andrew, you know, just made sure to let me know that politeness and and sternness at some points were yeah. going to be necessary.
1: So, what would you say if you were explaining what the AD department does to a layman like Tom?
2: <laughs> what, I mean,
1: <laughs> what we're like? What are those? What's the kind of hierarchy the, the of, of, of yeah
2: of, of stuff? Well, it's interesting because I. To be honest, I didn't even know what a first AD was or that the first AD in an AD department even existed until I came out here for AFI. And that's where I and you like, came out here for Boston? Uh, I came, well, Yeah. Well, I came by way of New York, okay. um, but it was, uh, I don't know, like a cycle project or something. And my friend was like, hey, you want to be the first AD? I was like, sure. I have no idea what that is. So I got on set and the DP of that short um, had, had a lot of experience and he had been like in the military in Israel and whatnot. So he was like really certain. A lot of people were like really afraid of him. <laughs> and so I'm on set and it's I'm just like trying to me. figure out what to do. And he's the one who's drilling me like, "Oh, no, you have to be here. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do that. And I was just like, Oh my God, it was terrifying. But like, he, you know, scared the crap out of me and made me realize like how important the role is. And, um, so usually what I say when, especially if I'm working with somebody that I never worked with before, or was never AD before, you know, I try to kind of it's get the me right now. broad <laughs> strokes of, you know, like we, we're the ones to ultimately keep everybody safe, you know, numero uno, yeah. make our days and provide support and care where needed and sternness when needed. You know what I mean? So it's like we have to sort of be an amorphous blob that sort of helps everything congeal, you know. You right? Know?
3: It's like a pit boss.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You got to be yeah. sort of like the mom or the dad depending upon the situation and you've just got to be able to interact and manage like a slew of different personalities and get them to trust you and work for you and but also not hurt themselves you know like past the point of exhaustion or something dangerous you know so So does that mean you take do you take do you like mold your personality to if
3: you're talking to chad and he's being a dick you're like okay i know this kind of guy i gotta be this way with him and
2: then with someone else like if tyler's
3: softy you're like oh
2: we can I mean, it's, it's, it's always a dance on set, especially like when it's your first time working with, you know, especially like my interaction with the director, I've got to get a sense of what kind of director they're going to be and then how I can kind of contour to them to be what they need me to be, to help them as best as possible. You know, that being said, I don't like change my value system for a show, you know, right. like if I get on a show and somebody's just a raging lunatic, then... Nah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just not going to put up with it because it's just it's life is short and movies are movies. You know what I mean? It's like you don't need right, to be on a Michael Bay. Bay. Yeah, right. exactly. It's like, no, no.
1: And how much how much do you find that it's your job to kind of to fit fit the mold of what's of what the machine is and how it kind of runs as opposed to kind of dictate how it runs? Because we've I mean, we've definitely we've had a few sort of experiences. And I know on, on Devil's due, I felt like after the first week. I wouldn't have known how to tie my shoes without our first ad like he was so he was so in charge of how that thing was working was yeah. was was moving and was running and obviously that you know that was a, a bigger size there was sort of more moving
3: parts we were naive as well fuck. talk about Going naive, matt, it, matt has a great I story mean. about how naive we were on devil's do yeah the first day at the end of the first day of shooting i literally was just like do we help put the cables away now. <laughs> what do we do? What can I touch? Yeah, like, go back to the and fucking hotel. But it's that thing where you. I mean, we quickly realize like, and again, it's like what Tyler was just saying that we didn't. I mean, we were we were very naive. We didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Sure. Yeah. And he became quickly one of the people. And there's a few people who fill certain like versions of this role. But that we were like, okay, we can trust you
2: to help guide us through this whole fucking thing. And I think what you just said is, this is probably what I said to (laughs) to, uh, our first meeting, talking about like what an AD's role is. And that's trust is more important than talent. You know, mm-hmm. talent grows from trust. If you can't form trust, then you'll never access the talent, whether it's, you know. You totally said that. Now I remember The it. actual <laughs> actors or the crew, you know, so it's like, so it's it's that. It's being able to have that trusting relationship between your departments or to collaborate, you know. And if, like, if you hire the best actor or the best DP or whatever, but you can't trust them and you don't, like, get along and communicate, it doesn't matter if the best DP in the world, you're going to have a crappy looking movie because they're not going to care. You know what I mean? They're not going to put Their magic into it, you know. So it's like you need that fertile soil of trust before anything else. So that's that's what I always try to do when I meet with the director, just on like a general meeting for something coming up. Is be like, can I trust him, and can he trust me? You know, because if I feel like it's going to be an uphill battle, just trying to get his or her trust, then I'll usually kind of be like, sorry, I just, you know. So what? Yeah, what is it? How
3: do you get involved? Like, what's the process for you getting involved? um like getting hired and stuff yeah or? getting hired and then like the first like meeting and like
0: W nines. Like yeah, <laughs> <Yeah. Okay. laughs> that's right
2: yeah uh i mean it just it just depends like i'm i'm very fortunate that i've been ading long enough now that like i have calls come in for work from recommendations from producers or directors or you know, makeup artists or costume designers. Yeah, I mean I just I I just get very lucky with people who are willing to recommend me for things with other good people that they've worked with. So it's like knock on wood, I've had very few experiences where I've worked with either directors or producers that I haven't quite hit that trusting relationship with. And is that
3: like your number one thing that you're looking for when you get involved with someone you're like if I can do this Is that over project? Like, do you look for like, Oh, this is an interesting project. Or are you like, Oh, this is a cool director who I can vibe with.
2: Um, I mean, it's, it's always a plus when I feel like the material is something of like real value, but at the same time I'm the type where even if on the page, maybe I don't see it, I'm always curious to see like what this person's going to do with it. As long as it's not something that's, you know, totally exploitative and, you know, borderline pornography. Um, I
1: I'm actually curious, uh, What do you consider to be the creative aspect of what an AD does?
2: I'm a big fan of Batman. And the reason I like Batman (laughs) is because the persona of sort of like, outside of Batman, just the idea of like a dark knight, I feel like is something that sort of is emblematic of the production support AD team. So, going forward, I'm picturing every ad is like oh, as Batman.
0: You're Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew legit has like a homemade bat suit, it's the most impressive damn thing you've ever seen.
2: I think there is a lot of creativity to the job, and you need to kind of like find the nuggets of creativity because I mean, I, I came out here, I went to school for directing, I've been doing directing and producing and production since literally sixth grade, um, and the ADing job is bittersweet for me because I do enjoy doing it and it keeps me really busy and allows me to like stay out here. But at the same time, getting back to directing and acting and the things that I don't want to do on a creative level is tough. So when I'm ADing, the creative things are like, like I just had to break down this huge thing for a series that I'm about to start doing. And it's like, as I'm breaking it down and going through the elements, you are forced to sort of creatively think through the scenes and think like, what other things are we gonna see? What are the shots? So it's like I, I almost take other people's material that I'm breaking down and try to envision it as a director as I would do it to help inform my work there. So it's almost like a you know, I'm getting paid to do a breakdown, but it's also sort of like a trial run for me as a director for how I would break it down creatively. And then when you've so, done directing
3: after doing A D stuff, do you feel like you bring that with you?
2: Yeah, I think it it's 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 one of those hard things where Now that I've been ADing for as long as I have, going back to the director's seat and not having to worry or focus about the ADing side of things, it's like trying to... It's
1: probably hard to shut your brain up. It is hard, yeah, because it's like,
2: because my left brain has been like so active in being able to try and like schedule and do all this stuff, so... um,
1: Do you you find that directors, I mean, having, you know, walked through the script in terms of, I mean, it sounds like a shot list in a production day, that's your job is to design that to a certain extent. Do you find that they're receptive do they ask for ideas? I mean, do you have that kind of relationship with some of your directors? It's,
2: it's. I find it's pretty rare when the director comes over and is like, you know, what are some thoughts about how we could approach shooting the scene? And I never, like, try to impose that on them unless I see something that I feel like maybe they're missing just because they're overwhelmed or distracted or something. And then maybe right. I'll try to, like, bring it to their attention just to sort of refocus them to the creative approach to something. Um, but I usually find myself that my capacity is much more active in taking their shot list, walking through it with them and then really saying like, okay, what are we trying to get out of the scene? How best to organize it from a, you know, efficiency production standpoint or from a performance standpoint or just from a scheduling in general standpoint, you know what I mean? It's it's, because there is creativity in coming up with what I call like a flow schedule. You know, you can, anybody can just, be like okay we're going to shoot this this day and that's this day and that but coming up with something where it's like okay this is actually going to work for the actors like there's a performance you know that's going right. to be that's sort of continuous creative. through yeah. it and, and thinking about it like how are you going to take the drudge of production which can be just a dog and just wearing and come up with a way to make it actually feel like you're enjoying it and everybody's having a good time and everybody's actually creative and putting their best juices on set
3: it you sounds kind of like you're you have like one foot in with like a line producer and one foot in with like a director where like you have to like coordinate yeah. between like almost business brain in a way you have to, yeah. and then creative brain.
2: You have to you,
3: it's, it's like a
1: team coach.
2: Yeah. You kind of, yeah. you, you got to kind of be able to walk in both worlds, like understand productions needs and like, you know, the fiscal stuff that they're dealing with, but then also the creative side. And you got to sort of be the balancing factor, you know, as best as you possibly can be, you know? Cause it's like at the end of the day, the producer's is going to come up to me and going to be like, how we doing, man? You know, are we are gonna hit OT? Are we gonna do this? Right. And I gotta sit there and be like, oh no, I think we're good. And then I get to have the director come up and say like, So what do you think? Is I need the producer eight more hours. like this? Yeah, like any more time? <laughs> and I'm like, No, we're gonna get it for you. So it's like I have to be like a double agent sometimes, <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> and just sort of like know how to. And sometimes you're a the way double ahead. agent in a
1: Batman costume, and
2: sometimes I'm a double agent <laughs> Batman costume. <laughs> so just like so because bat- we haven't actually worked with you yet, but like Tom,
3: you have a- like what's your style on set? Because we've worked with 80s who are you know loud and aggressive and like do this, do that, do that. And then, I mean, one of our favorite ads we ever worked with this guy Steve Lenano. His, he, it was literally like, okay, you guys have like parenting style where it's like, oh, I'm gonna whisper and people are gonna come to my level. Like, what's yes, your yes. what's your style on set? Just before like. we get to that, I want to introduce
0: that part because this is a major thing. Like, Andrew's style as an ad is incredibly unique, uh, and it's no, it's it's this it's. Oh my God! <laughs> Signature. <laughs> so you're really building it up. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. What do I do? <laughs> a- Ads have a reputation, uh, and I think most people in the industry know this to, to for being uh, at, at least mildly mildly aggressive. That seems to be what what the 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 stereotypical ad yeah, is. Yeah. And um, and then I feel like there is like that sort of. Minority, What you were just talking about. Yeah, the quiet one. And you're like, oh my god, they're quiet and I really don't want to see them get loud. You know what I mean? There's still almost like a fear and intimidation tactic. Um, This was incredible because Andrew uh, was... Because I work in post-production mostly, so I'm not on set. But Andrew was one of the first ADs I was on a set with for a longer period of time with VHS2. And he is so fucking nice. (laughs) Andrew is so incredibly nice Mm -hmm. everybody loves andrew and it's not a punctuation mark when when shit (laughs) when shit hits the fan when shit hits the fan he has no problem putting his foot down like that's very much something that can and does happen and and you know but he doesn't put his foot down as a fear tactic it's very much like it's when andrew puts his foot down everybody pays attention to okay if Andrew knows this is a problem, if Andrew's bringing it, like, it must right. actually be an issue.
3: Now, is that something that you developed as a mechanism, like, a almost manipulation mechanism? Or is it, like...
2: Uh, I don't know. I, I um, I don't know. I guess I was very fortunate that, like, when I was younger, like, I, I got trained by, like, my local TV station, literally out of fifth grade. And I had a guy there who was just a really sweet guy who taught me how to, like, operate a camera. And that night entrusted me to operate camera on... It was a town hall meeting or something like more boring than watching paint dry. But I was so excited. That's great. In fifth grade. In fifth grade. And I think that that was sort of like the inception point where I knew at that point I wanted to be an actor leading up to it. But then when I got behind the camera and I was like, oh, my God. But then given this responsibility by these adults, I mean, to a fifth grader, topper camera, I was scared shitless, but I was so excited and I just felt like I kind of was forced into being like, okay, I'm going to do whatever they tell me to do and just respect the hell out of them because they were giving me this opportunity. So I guess I try to carry that over on set because I feel like people are always going to work harder when they feel appreciated, they feel respected. And rather than being like told what to do, they're being told like, how can I help you to do something? You know what I mean? Cause it's like, I don't know. I just think that inspiring people to do their best work on set ultimately helps the film and helps you make your day and helps you make a better movie um as people that work to, out of fear
1: like you know, that's such a terrible environment to it's have any kind of creative conversation and yeah. 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 when people are terrified and yeah. they're totally they're rushing because they're afraid of being yelled at no yeah. one's doing their best work and you see it especially
3: terrified. like because of the way sets are designed you see it if you know if one person starts acting like that and the person next yeah, to him yeah, and then all of a sudden everybody's infected it spreads like a cancer right. and, it's and you have
2: to nip it in the But like right on day one, you know, and it's like I try really hard to get everybody's name down just as quick as possible so that I'm not just like, hey, you, I'm relating them on like a tall guy, yeah, on like a human level, you know what I mean? Because, uh, you know, I mean, whether you're making a movie or you're out like fixing cracks in the road or building chairs in a factory. It's still the same. You yeah, just want perfect. to work in a good positive. So jumping off
3: that, like how do you how do you tell how do you put out the fires? Because it could be sometimes it could be obviously from the director. Sure. Sometimes it could be from crazy producers. Yeah. But identifying and then addressing problems at, at, at all those different levels. Well,
2: is just... so I guess if if I was not in filmmaking, I'd probably be like a firefighter or something. And I feel like the reason why is because... Or Batman. Or Batman. Well, obviously Batman. <laughs> There's like a man who's a saving lives. i right. be you know, yeah. a hero yeah. of some sort. Be- because <laughs> I think on set, a lot of the same principles carry over. Because it's a, it's a team sport. It's a collaborative effort. And everybody's just as important as the next. Like, no peg is bigger than the other. And if you've got an ego and you think you're bigger than the other, you're going to learn very hard and very quickly that that's not the case. And, you know, I'm not there to... Take people off their high horse and show them the way. I just try to show them by doing.
3: Go whisper in people's ear. Yes,
2: you suck. and just let them know, like, okay, if there's a problem that comes up, let's not lose our heads and run around and you know just start making more accidents. I I steal. There's a there's a term um, in SWAT that slow is smooth and smooth is fast, and it's true. It's when you're on set, if there's like a big issue, it's like. Take five, talk about it, come up with a good plan, measure twice, cut once, which is another one of them. Yeah. And then the only time I will get loud and knock on wood again, the only times I've gotten nasty loud is when I can tell that there's like an imminent threat of danger to somebody's life or livelihood. Has that happened? Very rare. It's happened maybe twice. Um, But the times that it did happen... Like, uh, like, I don't yell on set. I, I never try to yell. Unless it's really loud and I'm just trying to get above everybody's volume just to bring him back down on, like, a shh level. But I was on set once where somebody was doing something they should never have been doing that didn't inform me that they were doing it. And it was putting someone, like, in immediate danger. And I just, I had to blow up because he was right. working too fast. And it was just one of those things where it's, like, nobody else was getting through to him. And so I had to I had to go to that level in order to bring him down, you know. But... I try to avoid that at, like, all costs. That's sort of a last, <laughs> last result. Well, no, I mean, and ultimately those... And hopefully that's not happening a lot. All that right. stuff, but how those sets yeah. run,
1: I mean, and, and, you know, we know this just kind of contractually and certainly with the Sarah Jones situation that mm-hmm. it really ultimately, at the end of the day, falls on the AD department and the and the director to kind of be aware
3: of the, yeah, the, the like the those issues yeah. and those dangers. And, there are more mm-hmm. important things than just getting a shot.
2: Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, and that's the thing is it's like, like I said before, movie's a movie. You know what I mean? Like if you don't get that shot, it's still going to work out. You're going to come up with some other solution. It's going to be okay. Life goes on. Somebody gets hurt on a set, even if they get, you know, like, you know, I've been on sets where people get, get, get wounded and it was totally unintentional. It was a total fluke. But then everybody feels it. Like the energy is ripples through the crew that somebody got hurt. And then suddenly, it just becomes like that much harder to get everybody to sort of like refocus and retrust and everything. So, an on set of any size is always well. I, I think I it's hard in.
1: too. I think that the culture of movie making—it's—it's it's such a challenge to like become a part of it, and it's yeah. such a privilege when you are a part of it. I think that the other the other issue is that people are willing to risk more to just do the job mm-hmm. than they then they normally would or they logically would if they yeah. weren't if they didn't have the opportunity I mean sure, I know yeah. certainly I've been on I've been on more shoots than I can count where I'm like oh yeah no I'll do that I'll do that thing that I probably shouldn't do because I want to be the guy that like says yes and gets right. the, and get, gets the shot and makes yeah. it happen mm-hmm. and that's when you get into situations where people are
2: yeah. and that's you know, making terrible choices that's where the AD the department should step in and say hey like don't go up on that branch on that tree to get this, you know, thing rigged up and he wants it now. Right. So you're climbing up like, like, take a second. It's okay. You know, it's okay to say no. Yeah. If you instill an environment where like you can't speak up or you can't be honest about how you're feeling about something, then that's again a dangerous work. Environment, yeah. And that's a know? lack of trust. And that's that a lack of, of trust. trust thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Do you have to feel, do you feel like sometimes you have to be at odds with the director? Like to get that. Again, feeling? like I, you know, from minute one of beating the director I always just try to like trust my gut ask them questions and get a sense of like are they going to be the director that's just going to push and push and push and put people into And then you say something position? like I'm well, going my job is to make sure you don't do that or yeah, or I just don't get involved with them You should like call them out. Um, Yeah <laughs> right. it's because it's like at the end of the day I've found myself in so many like situations where you know I'm out in the middle of the street on a street that's not closed down and I'm trying to protect people from getting hit by cars but I'm out in the middle of the street, right, you know. Like right. we're doing stuff that's just not safe for anybody, and especially myself. And it's like, if I'm putting myself in a dangerous situation, then where else can we go from there? You know, with, with people. And then do you, how do how do you gauge it? Because like, what at
3: what point of the process do you come on? Are you working with directors through pre-production? Yeah, yeah. Most of the time, I, I
2: always try to get on just as early as humanly possible because the sooner you have a schedule in place and the sooner you have a breakdown in place, the more you can really actually start using prep to make sure that you're using your shoot days as efficiently as possible you know i I, I always use the the terminology of like you have great prep you'll have a good shoot good prep okay shoot okay prep bad shoot bad prep don't shoot just push i mean like just don't do it if you don't have prep you're not going to have a good Mm -hmm. shoot and you're going to there's no point no it's just wasting everybody's time yeah and money in that
1: prep (laughs) phase do you find that you work more with the line producer or more with the director? Because I, you know, when a line producer is doing a board and a budget, and mm-hmm. they're 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 the first people to break down the film and sort of understand the moving pieces and what's needed on certain days and all of that. But yeah. obviously, that is such a handshake with what you know an AD does in terms of coordinating the yeah. very specific day to day operations. What's that split like
2: for you in the pre production process? I try to make it as fifty fifty as possible, just so that like again, I earn the trust of both sides of the world, so that You know, I can make them communicate properly. And if I need to be the conduit for them, then I've got to have both of their ears at the same time. Because, you know, sometimes directors, a lot of times what happens is directors who are first time feature directors, you know, who come from the world of like guerrilla filmmaking or just going out and making it and making their shorts, which we've all been through, we're trained to do things that. Aren't safe, you know, and 100%. just like, got the shot, just doing I mean, hanging out the back of my car and driving down the street, whatever, right?
1: Never, never done any no, of I don't crazy. What are talking <laughs> about? Yeah.
2: Um, and then suddenly, sounds stupid. Yeah, it yeah sounds I mean, really ridiculous. <laughs> but then they find themselves in this position where now, like, they're at the helm of a shoot, and they've got people asking them a million more questions than they ever expected about things that they've never thought about before. And that can be really overwhelming. And so I try to get a sense of like, okay, if they're a first-time director, how can I sort of soften the blow or kind of buffer the, you know, we don't have money for that or we don't have this. Right. You know, especially if the line producer is like a hard-nosed line producer or somebody, you know, who's just doesn't care about, you know, somebody's feelings or opinions about them. Because line producers, you know, the, the, the great ones are able to just sort of work and you just never see them there and everything's fine and it's right. great. You know, they're, they're like magicians. The bad ones are the ones who like it come up to set and assert themselves and are always like complaining and you know just like falling apart or or just not present you know what I mean like they just have no clue what's going on and then that's just the worst but which
3: seems to be a thing that we've hit on a few times people being too involved or not involved yeah there's extremes as opposed to yeah. just like that collaborating, collaborating.
2: Yeah. yeah well it's like what you were saying before like some ADs kind of are like okay so we're gonna do this we're gonna, and you know they're <laughs> gonna be like really quiet and get you on their level or whatever but if you're that people can sniff that out and be like they don't know what they're doing like i'm not going to trust this person or i'm not right gonna cause you still to this need to person. come off as like
3: authoritative. you can yes. trust me yeah. Yeah, i got exactly. this shit
2: you need you need people to want to come up to you but like if i don't have people trusting me they're not going to come up to me and be like hey i got a problem you know like i need people to tell me their problems they and really what are. they're coming back like,
3: it's your ferris bueller
2: yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i it's it's i de- i depend upon people communicating with me ad nauseum about as much as possible, good or bad, you know what I mean? So, so you
3: mentioned your team a couple of times, like you want to talk to us about what that entails, who those people are?
2: Sure. Um, well, so I can't do anything without like the support of a second AD and sometimes a second second, if there's a lot of background, um, key PAs, all my PAs, um, like, like my, they really are the unsung heroes of production. It's like, everyone's like, Oh PA, you know, we're walking. So I'll tell you, like there are PAs who come out to Hollywood and they just want to get on movies and they get on set and they realize that like, it's super boring. They don't pay attention. They're on their phones the whole time. And they just, they just do nothing. They don't contribute. They don't add to the process. They don't see the value in their position and those are people I don't work with after I've worked with them once, you know, but guys like Tom.
1: <laughs> yeah. I
2: mean, I tried to hire Tom on just about everything I could after VHS too. And the reason was because he has the exact same sort of values that I'm always looking for in my, I don't want to say subordinates, but my team. Right. I was a total um, subordinate. He was a total subordinate. <laughs> don't worry. A- um, but but it's, it's, it's sort of having like an understanding that if you're not doing something, you should go and figure out, like, what can you do? Like, what can you do right. to better to the day? It's to sit dead, around you know and do I mean? nothing on a it's set. T- yeah, it's, and it's, or to
1: just do easy just default. answer when you're called upon.
2: No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, if I ask you to do something, you do it. That's great. And that's that's one level. But if you're at that level where, like... I'm not even asking you to do something, and you're just helping, and I can just see that you are just continuously like doing trash sweeps, bringing water to people, making sure everybody's feeling okay, bring out snacks you know if people need it, you know, just coming in and being like anybody need it? you know
1: and by the way, or talking to departments yeah about what they do and learning about the process totally. like the idea, yes. you're around such an insane of amount course. of experience and knowledge when you're on a set with people who've been there before totally. it's, yeah, there's yeah. so much to learn
2: and there are a lot of people out here who. You know, I think we we're all at a level where we enjoy doing what we're doing. But usually, when you are on set, it's like you want to talk to other people about what it is you do because you want to sort of share the experience. You know, we're not all directors all the time. You know, we're always doing sort of multitude of things, wearing different hats, and we're learning about them. And this whole industry, I feel like, is based upon that uh, um, you know belief that like you can bring on somebody and sort of give them guidance and grow them and. What's the, what's the term I'm looking for? Yeah. Mentor? Mentor. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, and just mentor people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like sure. that's how you get an education and this is going on set and finding someone who's willing to give you the time of day to sort of mentor them. And if you show that like you want to learn and you have a thirst for it, then most people are going to be like, sure. I'll show you how to, you know, set up a prop table and, you know, make a grid and, you know, do all this kind of stuff. I mean, hundred percent. You never know, you know,
3: when someone shows initiative, you immediately like, oh, <laughs> this is fantastic. I want to help this person yeah and in a weird way like they end up helping you too where you're like oh now this becomes very like symbiotic like
2: yep yep exactly and and having having a really strong second ad is super important because they're the ones who are looking the day ahead because my role on set is to be on set all the time with you know my head on a swivel looking for anything in the moment Yeah, yeah just totally present so if i have to be worrying about my second ad either like not getting the call sheet right or missing things, you know, because details are just so important and they can suck up so much time and cause so right. many problems. A missed
1: call time can be the difference between having or death. Yeah, an <laughs> right. extra hour or, yeah, yeah. being way yeah. behind.
2: So, So, having somebody who's really thorough, very efficient, very communicative, but also has a really good personality who's just going to be there to just do their job and work is. You know, I can't. I I'd just die if I didn't have a strong second. Mm-hmm. You know.
3: So how do you deal with uh, crowds, like a crowds, crowd scene, like extra background? background, background yeah. Like what's your what's your relationship with that? Um, it, put them in their place. <laughs> tell them give, they don't matter. Give them their ones their and, and twos. props. Drink water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, because I feel like that's something that a lot of times, but, like you watch movies and you never really like. I know when we went to go shoot our movie, I I asked a buddy who had made a movie before. I literally remember saying, "Hey, so I got a question. You have that crowd scene in your movie." what do you do? Like, it's not like like, you're out there as director (laughs) going like, Hey, thousand people in this crowd. Yeah. And he was like, the AD handles that. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, okay, cool. So what's an AD? Like, you know what I mean? But like, so like, what is that for you? Like if if there's a stadium scene or a baseball game or something.
2: So, well, I mean, I haven't done anything where we've had like thousands of people kind of crowd sort of things, but when we do have big crowds, it, um, what's your biggest crowd? Would you say? That's a good question. You can brag. It's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Uh I don't know, maybe, maybe like a hundred, something like eighty to a hundred, somewhere in there. Um, well,
0: in a digital age, that's a pretty big crowd, yeah, actually. Yeah, sure. Yeah,
2: but but it's, it's the kind of thing where like when you do have background on that's usually when you bring on your second second, and they're the ones who are sort of in charge of like checking them in and like making sure they've done their paperwork, and then like bringing them in, and and it can get overwhelming because usually on a set, to bring in that many bodies you know, to the set where it's already crowded with the crew and your main talent and everything. It's like, you got to do it in pieces and you got to be like, all right, let's bring in four at a time. Let's bring in another five and then let's just keep doing it until it feels like it's enough. And then we cut it off there as opposed to like, let's bring in the whole herd and just figure it out <laughs> right. because that's just overwhelming. Um, and background, there are some who like, they're great. You know, they're, they've been out here forever. They're really actors. They understand what it's like to be professional and be on set. And they, they, do exactly what you tell them to. And there are other people who do it just because they need the money. So I've had people show up who are literally, you know, having like heroin withdrawals and stuff. And so it's like, you have to kindly ask them to leave because it's like, this is not an appropriate, you know, position for them to be in. But being able again to sort of rely on like, sometimes I'll call my second AD out and be like, hey, can you come in here and just help me figure out what these background are going to do, you know, because it's like, I can, I can work with these 15, but I also got to worry about this over here. And so you're in charge of like deep background, you know, and really it's just about giving them ones and twos and sort of repeated actions and making sure they can mime without making sound and that they're not going to do something that's going to draw too much attention to them, but just still give. And do you make up
3: those things or do you talk to the director or is that? like I mean,
2: it, it, it depends. Like some of the directors are very hands on and that actually gets kind of difficult in the sense that a director will have something very specific that they want somebody in the background to do and I've got to go over and you know because the director can't talk to background because then the background can be like director gave me direction I want to be Taft-Hartley if they're not SAG mm-hmm. or you know I want to pay bump or you know whatever so you're so like
1: a firewall between yeah, so you like, oh interesting good, yeah, I didn't know that that, like, which, that that conversation
2: with the director it's it can very be, awkward yeah. it's, I mean I've been in situations where like we're shooting in a car and we use the background actor to, like, be in the car and, like, turn the ignition on the key. And it was, like, a close-up, right? Which, you know, you're not supposed right, to do. they're featured at that They're at featured, that point. right. But, like, the director's here, the camera's here, I'm here, and background actor is here. And so <laughs> we're doing takes, and the director has to say, like, yeah, can you turn it um, a little faster? And I have to go, can you turn it a little faster? Like, <laughs> I literally have to do that, yeah. you know? And it's just like... <laughs>
3: it's you are, it a game of telephone bit. yes it wow. is exactly wow. and, and that game yeah. of
2: telephone especially when directors have like a lot of ideas can get lost in translation just because it's going through sort of you know all these permutations of mm-hmm. things and and then getting them to like time out right with whatever the main talent's doing background is probably the least like enjoyable part of what i do especially bar scenes you know because it's like they're yeah. crowded they're cramped these background usually sit around for hours, and then when they're actually called to set, they get social because they haven't seen anybody. They've been reading books, so it's like suddenly they get loud, so everything gets louder, and everything's got to get calm again, and it just becomes a pain in the butt to deal with most of the time. It's yeah. hard
0: to find background that like, by the time you start shooting, they're in a good mood.
2: Yeah, no, and most I, of them are and, already, and like it. upset and, and no, they're I, also yeah, like they, usually don't, hours, they don't right? get to have like, right. like good craft services, right? right? Yeah. They, they, get they get like second class They they only get to eat after, you know, first yeah. team and crew have eaten, so it's like how can you not feel like you're the bottom of the barrel on set when you're treated right. in that way for, you know, union reasons or whatever? And it's just like I always try to go out and like if especially if it's not a hundred people, I try to go out and just like shake their hands and say hello and you know thank them and thank them for when they leave so that like they at least feel acknowledged and appreciated. and I try to have the rest of the PA's and everybody do the same thing for them. But again, sometimes again, people are just there to like cash a check and they just right. don't care and so they're just not going to be in a good mood no matter what you do. And it's yeah. like, all
1: right. Is there a situation that you find yourself in in terms of predicting? what's going to happen on a shoot that just makes you fucking nervous or anxious. Is there, is there, is there a scenario that when you like, that's your kind of great white whale. That's like shit, man. Yep. Yep. I got this thing coming up. What, what, (laughs) what are those things
2: for you? I mean, they vary drastically, but there's always like, I have to be the guy who's going to think of all like the worst case scenarios for like every, every, I don't know, thing we do on set essentially. So if I know that like, this is the day that we're having a big shootout and we're using a lot of blanks. Then I got to just start like, you know, having my warning flags up. So about safety concern
1: shit in particular, like that's uh, big, yeah, like yeah, car
2: work. Like say, anything that involves safety with like stunts or special effects or weapons. Because sometimes like I don't, I don't get the luxury of having a weapons wrangler on set. You know, it's like props that are doing it. So I have to go over and actually physically check all the guns, you know, oh, and God. like sometimes I have to hang on to them and you know make sure that like in between takes they're getting cleaned properly so like I need to know about all that stuff which um s- looks like fun but on the day it's like yeah, that's it's the that's, last oh, thing we're going to worry that's about you know and then days where I just know that they're gonna be like heavy days you know where it's like this is that day where we've got one day at the location and we really want that location and it's the perfect spot but we have to cram eight pages into that one day because we only get it for one day and it's like Okay, well that was a creative choice, you know, that would not be
3: my Ideal, approach to right.
2: it, you know, because we're going to get something that's probably not going to be as good because we're going to have to move quick. And so those are days where I know like I've got to really be on point and really make sure that like nobody does something sure. with so
3: jumping off that like so? What are some of yeah. the best days you've had on set as an AD, and some of the worst, or just
2: like a example of each? The best were all the ones that I was on. Every time Tom showed up, so yeah. I'd smile. our
3: favorite, our best days too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, our worst. Go it was figure. correlation doesn't equal causation. Worst. All right, I'm just saying. Sure. I mean, sometimes. <laughs>
2: although, in all honesty. Tom's the kind of guy where like I'll be on set and if like things just aren't going well for, you know, the film gods of curses that day and just know you know, I'll just turn over to Tom and he'll usually be able to read that like on my face just like half dead and he'll be like, you know, come on man, don't worry. I'm just gonna, you know, do something inappropriate to you later, you know, whatever. No, yeah, and it <laughs> just smack his ass or something. Yeah, exactly. I walked yeah. out yeah.
1: of the house we were standing on Southbound one one morning. <laughs> we were shooting nights and I had slept like two hours. And I walk out, middle of the desert rubbing my eyes and I look over and Tom is smoking a big fucking cigar. And he's drinking and he's drinking a Gatorade and he's sitting in a folding chair in the middle of the desert. Yeah. Literally nothing for miles on either side of him. And, and he's he just, just like, hey. like, Hey good morning man, how are you? And it's like it's better now. Better now, Thomas Yeah. That, like, uh, so experiences. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're talking yeah. about the, like the the memorable, the standout, positive, and the standout.
2: Like, why am I doing yeah. this? <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, I, I I just always enjoy it. Where like at the end of the day, it's like not only did we get what we came for, we got extra shots, and like everybody's walking with a smile on their face at the end of the day. And it's like it's a very rewarding experience. You know, it's 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 like it's like you just won a game of football or something. You know what I mean? Like it's like yeah, when everybody feels like they're having fun and, like, we're enjoying what we're doing, then that's Nothing awesome. better. Nothing better. Yeah, it's, it's a great feeling to walk away from set. I mean, uh, but I feel that way whether I'm, I was, like, doing anything on set ever, you know what I mean? So whether I'm ADing or directing, so. Um, and if you feel like you're getting something special, too. Like, again, I'm very fortunate that most of the projects I've worked on in, like, the feature capacity, it's, like, at the end of the day, it's, like, okay, this is something worth putting blood, sweat, and tears into. You know, like, everybody feels like they're actually being listened to and they're having creative input being put in. And and a lot of the films I've worked on have gone to festivals and played and done well. And like, that's a really rewarding experience, you know? So, um, you can't ask for much more than that on the downside, having days where you show up and like, just, things just aren't going right no matter what.
1: And what the fuck is that? Why it, does it that happen? It just happens.
2: It's just the law of averages. Yeah. I mean? yeah. It's like the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry and on film sets it's like all it takes is just one little Jenga pull for everything to fall apart. And that happens sometimes because they're you just so... gotta like, they're so delicate.
3: Yeah, they're so delicate. They're still so put together like, well, so here's variables. our wiggle room yeah. and the minute right. that wiggle room is fucked with, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. that's it. You ever go to like an
0: office and like, all the printers are down, the Wi-Fi is down, the server is down, none of the computers work and the deliveries relate. That doesn't yeah. happen, but like on a film, that's def- that's a day.
1: Oh,
2: yeah. uh-huh. that's- yeah. Jenny's that's down. Day. You're yeah. fucked. Because you are relying on so many elements... To make it work. That all have yeah, to yeah, dovetail perfectly yeah, for it to be e- even to, a yeah. remotely successful. It's such a balance act, you know, which, which is why it's so rewarding when like something comes together that's really good because you're like, yeah. shit. Like, yeah, like how wow. did they do how that? That you've you cheated, know? you've cheated fate. Somehow. Yeah, exactly. That, right? <laughs> how did that happen, you know? But
3: uh, do you remember the time we were shooting this thing? Uh, that we had a gun in, uh, and again, safety first. We weren't probably not at the bar, but it we had, had this old motto. We had a, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we had a. This is one of those things that's like a, a good bad version of that or bad whatever. Where we had a gun, it was like an old like you know, just a, civil, like, gun, a like a civil war, a civil war era, yeah, yeah, six shooter. You know, it was a replica, and we brought it up to the desert. We were f- four or five miles from anything, mm-hmm. and our actor lost it. Obviously, cause we gave him he two
1: props. It. We gave him the gun and like a, and a scarf and a, and a,
3: and a belt yeah, to hold hand. it on too. Because he had the belt. <laughs> Don't give him the belt. Gone. <laughs> yeah. Like before we even could start shooting, he's like, "Oh man, I lost the gun." We're like, "You lost." Like that's like your major prop. Mm-hmm. But and this gets into the thing we're talking about. Like sometimes things just work. Mm-hmm. One gas station in town. You who, that sells guns. <laughs> And so we go to the gas station, and they have a little, like, used gun thing, you know, next to the Skittles. And they had almost the exact same gun, but it was probably authentic to era, And, you know, it was all rusted, and he was like, yeah, I found it out in the desert about two months ago. No,
1: it was a a couple had found it. Right. A couple was hiking and found it, like, very recently and brought it in, and they were like, hey... Do you want this? And he bought it off of them mm. for next to nothing, and it was the
3: exact exact same, same gun, gun yeah. but, but even better because it was of like replica. It was a replica. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. he just
2: let us use it.
3: Yeah, we didn't. He was like, "Yeah, you guys He'll just, just drop it, it <laughs> off on your way out of town." <laughs> Insane
2: <laughs> stuff happens because sometimes and... shit works out. Well, that's I think that's sort of a good silver lining is like, it's a really good example. Like on set, when something doesn't go right, and you're like, "Oh no!" Like game over. It's like, those are the moments where, like, okay, what can we come up with that was better than the original idea? Yeah. What, what, what can we do? How do you like, make that serve you? Yeah. You know, like, I had, a, I had a professor at AFI, and he was telling us a story that, like, he was doing a whole film that took place at a summer camp. I mean, the whole movie was about a summer camp. They went to the location to shoot in, in Canada, and there was a freak snowstorm in the middle of, like, late spring. <laughs> Day one of shooting, and so they completely retooled the entire script camp. to literally be not a summer camp anymore. And he was like, "It was such a better story. It's so you much know. more original. It was yeah, so, I much better, it. you know? so it's weird. like, yeah, you can wow. either let those sort of like what was moments, that film I want to see that film. I don't know, <laughs> up, but, but like those are the moments that like I feel like define your creative right resources and talent as a you know storyteller to come up with something that like okay what what's the solve yeah like if you've laid down the foundation. Mm-hmm. You can roll with those things. If you've done your prep work, yeah. then like, if you know what the scene is about, like what needs to be communicated and what's important about a scene, if you lose your location on a day, you can still figure out another way to achieve that same right. piece of information. Yeah, the A to Z of that moment yeah. in the movie. Yeah, right. And you just do it in you know a bathroom instead of a... Office or you know whatever. So,
1: do you have a preference? I, I mean, you've worked on everything from commercials to features. How does the ad experience I'll differ different. from yeah, vastly
2: different from
1: from so yeah? Like, what what are those differences? And do you have a preference? Is there is there a type of shoot that you uh, enjoy working on more?
2: I think um, between like features and commercials, it's weird. It's like you you get paid more to do less on commercials. It's like the first time I did a commercial, I literally had to kind of turn my brain off. Like I I showed up and I was ready. I was like, okay, let's break down the script. Let's make a strip board. Let's do this. Let's do this, (laughs) you know? And like, I get in there and they're like, no, they're not going to know how to read a strip board. So like, let's just make this. And it was like, you know, this very simplistic version of a schedule. And I was like,
3: okay. So like lunch and then end of lunch. Right. No, like like literally like the template
2: I got from whatever this agency was, like had like a little brown paper bag with a smiley face on it at lunchtime. And I was like.
3: Okay, that's a
1: universal symbol <laughs> for lunch. Obviously, round bag for lunch. You know, yeah.
2: I was just like, okay, but I mean, the, the difference though is that on commercials everybody's there to sell a product. You're not there to tell a story. So everything goes back to the client's preference and how the agency is handling the client. And some clients get like to get really involved and have a lot of notes and other clients are completely hands off. You know, it just depends upon their relationship. Right, so it's
1: fluid or creative, a process necessarily.
2: Exactly. But most like directors who just direct commercials, like they know the game. And so usually they're just kind of the yes men to the clients and kind of like, sure, we can try that. Let's do this. And then we'll do an alt version. And, and so my role really is just to make sure that we're really making the day and not doing anything dangerous, you know, and just kind of be like the bumper guards on a bowling alley. So, but, but then on features, it's like, you know, usually the pay is less, especially on the indie level. So it's like, you really got to be doing it for, you know, either the movie or the people involved in the movie, or right? Both. You build a
1: family that is yeah, together for, yeah.
2: You got to be willing to be like, okay, here's three months of my life. And totally. you know, the average, like, Lifespan of an ad and the dj is 56 or something like it that, that's crazy, which is awful. So, I'm always kind of like, okay, out, am I re- <laughs> no, <laughs> gonna get out before I die? <laughs> you know, it's like, is the stress like worth it? Left in, yeah, that true? Exactly. 56? yeah, yeah, it's something like really low because of, yeah, the they don't make it in their 60s. Like, yeah, that's for sure. I actually lost my hearing recently from like a blood pressure problem. Um, yeah, crazy, right? What? You
0: got uh, wait, do you have it back? Like, was it a temporary It's back, yeah, okay. it was a temporary thing,
2: but it was like. Um, but the doctor was like, yeah, so just try going on a low-sodium diet and try to uh, stress less. And I was like, right, okay. <laughs> you know, like, how do, I, how do I stress less in, like, the most stressful role on set? You do you know? take so, it home with you? Like, is it something that you can – do you get in the habit of turning used, it off? I or? used to. I used to take it home, and, like, I would have trouble sleeping. I would have – and I still, every once in a while, I, like have dreams where I'm still on set and, like, worrying about stuff. But I've learned to kind of – drop it like at set like I also used to hang around set like a lot longer at the end of the day just to right. try to like touch base with people and everything but I found that like my lack of sleep started to catch up to me after a while so now it's like you know when cameras wrapped I you know give everybody a handshake and then I take off and I sleep now you know because it's like I'm not it makes you better more. in the long, yeah, yeah, in the for long, long game yeah
1: In terms of the hierarchy and, you know, a third, second, second, a second, first, Mm -hmm. it sounds like, I mean, there are a handful of people who make a career out of being a first AD and that, that, that isn't, it's not necessarily a stepping stone into another position. I mean, does that happen? Do you transition out of an AD department into like producing or line producing or is that really a set? Is it really a set and specific role?
2: It's hard. I think everybody's got sort of like a different you know, path to where they end up. But like the second AD I work with right now, her name's Carly and she's like amazing. She only wants to be a first AD. Like that's her life goal is to be an AD. And I just like, you know, that's amazing. It's awesome. also, She only wants to live to 56. Yeah, exactly, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But there are lifers who it's like, that is it. They realize like ADing is if for them, they go on the DJ training program they become DGA. And that is, that is their life, you know? Right. Um, and that's awesome. More power to them. I, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't do that. Um, and I think it's, it's tough because a lot of people don't know what an AD or ADs are in general. Like I didn't know, you know, so to be able to transition out of the role when people have very little understanding of like what the role is, I think is tricky. You know, I've definitely been sort of just cast in the light of like, oh, I'm first AD. And right. so trying to break that mold and like it's get so back into things is really tough. Well, you know? yeah. It's, but... I mean,
1: you sound like you're obviously incredibly proficient and good at your job, which makes it even harder. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's a plus,
2: I like, like I feel yeah. like incredibly humbled to be called for all these jobs and everything, which is great. But at the same time, it's like, I'm you know, trying to take time to just be creative on my own too, is, is really right. difficult because it does take a lot of like mm-hmm. your blood, sweat, tears, energy and sleep, you know what I mean? It's not like something that you can kind of just sort of. Phone in, you know what I mean. It's like you phone it in, you're gonna be in pain. You know? Yeah, and I've seen that. I've seen ads who show up on set, like they don't know the script, they don't have a watch on their wrists. Like there's no breakdown. I'm just like, how do you, how do you exist? You know, like I just <laughs> yeah. don't understand that. So yeah, it's but but I do know there are some ads who have made the transition. You know, there's a lot of I know some first ADs who've become like commercial directors. Um, I know some who've become more like UPMs. Um, I mean, they're, they're also our first to become directors, but it's usually because they work for, like, big-time directors who sort of, like, throw them a bone at some point. You know? Right,
1: they direct second
2: unit. Like, Sergio on... Leone
0: was the first AD before he right. was a director, and his yeah. his first movie, the director got fired, and the first AD got promoted. Ahead. Now, that was the 1950s, so that might not right. be the same way things are working today. <laughs> yep. A but it's now. a good story because Sergio Leone is a great <laughs> fucking director. Exactly, It's true. His dad was also a director, so he became a first AD just out of, like, inheriting. Yeah. But his dad was, like, very famous. It doesn't matter. I
2: think it should be, like, a requirement, though. Like, every director has to be a first AD at some point. Even if it's for, like, one shoot or one show. Because the amount you learn and the amount you see in all the different departments, it's it's like being shown the Matrix. You know what I mean? It's like, holy shit. So
0: let's tie in that knowledge, though, about knowing different positions into being a director because you are a director as well and since and you do know a number of positions so what does that mean to you how do you uh, how do you apply this kind of like separate knowledge because like you were a second AC you are an an AD but when you direct you don't do those jobs right and you you can show an appreciation to your crew members Mm. but is there any way like how do they pick that up from you and how do you apply that to the way that you approach these projects creatively
2: I think there's a lot of just values to understanding the work and the kind of lifestyle, I guess you could say, about people who work in production for a living, you know, like people who make movies on a day-in, day-out basis here, you know, with their shorts, features, whatever, um, and understanding sort of like what that demands of you mm-hmm. so that when you are put in sort of like the captain's chair as a director, you aren't just coming in as sort of like someone who's just going to be catered to and not be told no and just sort of get what you want and you know, there's a portion to directing where you need to protect the director so they can stay creative and be able to get performances and you know have that trust and back and forth between them and the actors because at the end of the day, if the performance isn't there, everything else doesn't matter you know, and I would probably use the metaphor to you of like it's like trying to build a house around a sleeping baby and not wake yes. like it. Yeah. And that's not to say that actors are babies. It's just to say that what you're doing is an incredibly like delicate it's process. Yeah. It's really, really fragile. And you
0: screwed up the house falls on the baby. Exactly.
2: Infanticide. Right. Cause, cause it's like, there's so much crap around like the central thing that's important. And that's trying to make something look that real. That's completely fabricated. Like the amount of work that goes into making something just look effortless is tremendous, you know what I mean, and right. understanding those who are trying to achieve that vision for you, and how to communicate with them. Actually, that that's that's probably what I've learned the most. Being a first AD is the value of communication and how to communicate, because I feel like on the things that I directed before I first did, there would be times where, like, I'd say to the DP, you know, a shot. And I would just walk away and be like, "Okay, he understood what I was saying." And then I come back and like he sets something up that was completely not what I was was saying at all, and he had a totally different interpretation of it. And I realized it it was my error in how I communicated it to him or her, how to get what I wanted, um, or at least what I was going for, and then like expanding upon it. And I feel like that's something where, as a first AD now, I've had to jump in to help directors communicate with their DPs or with their actors or with whatever about what it is they're trying to achieve. It's almost like trying to like speak their, you know, individual in language down on set. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's that now, like when I'm directing, like I'm very keenly aware of how to communicate and what kind of verbiage to use and that kind of thing to elicit either performance or to elicit like whatever the setup is going to be and like get everybody on the same page about what we're doing. Because at the end of the day, that's, That's what makes my job the hardest is when I show up as an AD and the director comes in and I ask them a question and they don't have an answer for me on something that, you know, guides the film. It's like they have to have the vision and there can be directors who can say, oh, well, that's a that's a DP question or that's really more of a wardrobe question. And I'm like, no, the one I'm asking you is a you question because you're going to define whether that wardrobe is actually this bright green or this dark green you know like you need to have an understanding of how everything is working to tell the story and if you don't have a knowledge of that it becomes very apparent very quickly to the crew and they'll lose respect for the director and then they won't care and then so i feel like that's something that once you realize what it's like working on the crew side and on the firsting side then when you're in the director's chair you can sit there and go like okay this is this is what I have to do. Like my job is right. This. this is expected of me. This is expected of me. People are going to ask, be asking me these questions, so I better do my homework and come to the table with it. Otherwise, you know, why would anybody else do it if I'm not, you know? 100%. And so I think that's, I think communication and collaboration are, are the things that have been the biggest takeaways for me that I now apply to directing again. So
1: what was your what was I, your ad? Mantra, again, the slow is smooth. What was that? Oh, so, so, yeah,
2: it's when they're training SWAT guys. They train them that, like, when you're entering a building and, like, you've got your shields up and your guns and stuff, you go in slow because you're smooth when you're slow. And smooth is fast because, like, your opponent in the building is going to be jacked up on nerves and be, you know, all Mm -hmm. over the place. But if you can go in and be very calm, then you can have the upper hand and you can be much faster cause you're not going to make a mistake and have to double back and do it again or, you know, that kind of thing. So same thing on set, you know, if, if, if a director is suddenly just in a rush because they feel the the clock is bearing down on them, I'll usually go to them and be like, it's okay. Like, let's just do this, you know, we'll figure this you out. Time. We'll up- right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't want them to come up. I don't want them to suddenly freak out. If they freak out, then they're not going to be thinking clearly. And then suddenly it's just going to be so hard to figure things out, you know? So I'm much more of the, like, just take a breath. All right, let's go back to it, you know, and and do it that way.
0: Cool. That was our episode with Andrew Spieler. Thanks for listening. He's a killer AD. And remember, you can check him out along with the rest of his crew on Rocket Jump, the show on Hulu. Matt, you want to tell us who's up next week?
3: Yeah. So next week, we're talking to Chester Tam. He's an old friend of mine. Um, We used to be roommates when we first moved out here. And he just finished his first movie. It's called Take the Ten. And we're going to talk to him about the process he went through to get that made from writing it to, you know, pitching it to the whole development process. Um, which I think took him 7 or 8 years to actually finally getting it made and we just saw I think Final Cut which was awesome so it's really exciting and we're going to we're gonna really focus on what that process was for him the whole way through and so that's going to be available next week
0: and make sure to check us out on our website highradiosilence.com you can also find everybody on all your favorite social media platforms at High Radio Silence and then just keep subscribing to the podcast and listening and find us uh, anywhere you listen to your podcasts thanks a lot guys <laughs>
1: to fall with radio silence.